1: John 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you. And what is that new commandment? That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also may love one another. You know, we don't have to be buddy-buddy with everybody in the church. Because we all have different personalities, and some personalities rub each other the wrong way. But we can, and we should, and we ought to, we must, love one another. There's people that I don't get along with, but I still love them. And I can still treat them with respect. I don't need to avoid them. I don't need to... Play games with them. I love them.
0: Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob explores how John emphasizes the new commandment that Jesus gave us. The commandment John wrote of was, at the same time, both old and new. The new commandment to love that Jesus spoke of in John chapter 13, verse 34, was really new for several reasons. One of the most important reasons was that Jesus displayed a kind of love never seen before, a love we were to imitate. This love not only includes our fellow believers, but also includes our enemies. And now, let's open our Bible to 1 John chapter 2 and follow along with Pastor Rob.
1: He was still very discouraged, Peter, and this is where Jesus restores Peter. Peter's very discouraged. He doesn't know what to do with his life. Lord, you, you died on the cross, you, you, you were, you're invisible, I don't see you sometimes, and then now you show up here, and then you're talking about ascending, I don't know what, what, what am I going to do with my life? Lord, I, I, I'm discouraged. And you know what I love about the Lord is he didn't, he didn't beat him up over that. Notice what he said, Jesus said to him after Peter said, Lord, I like you as a friend, in a friendly kind of way. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Did he shelf him? Did he say, you know what, you can't abide in me. You're not abiding in me, Peter, forget it, you're done. No, he took him where he was at and he brought him higher. And see, that's what the Lord does. He takes you where you're at and brings you higher. He doesn't bring you lower. Everybody else will bring you lower and try to bring you down to their level. But God is the only one who says, I'm going to take you in your messed up state and I'm going to bring you, I'm going to lift you higher. I'm going to take you up. I'm going to take you up. And that's what the Lord did with G- what the Lord did with Peter. Peter was still being conformed to the image of Christ, and I love it in, ver- in, in a, the, verse 18, right after that, Jesus said to him, "Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish." And this He spoke, signifying by what death He would glorify God. We know that historically, Peter was crucified, just like Jesus. But, but tradition tells us, it's not in the Bible, but tradition tells us that they hung him upside down because Peter didn't think he was worthy to even hang in the same direction as his Lord. He said, hang me upside down. And the Romans were going, wow, we haven't done that before. That sounds fun. They were glad to oblige, hanging Peter upside down. Peter ultimately got to the place, I believe, where he was agapeo. Peter, do you love me? Do you agapeo me? Lord, I don't right now, but one day I'm going to spread out my hands and I'll prove it. Love it. So that's the challenge for us Christians today. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who, whom he is like. He's like a man who built his foundation on a rock, his house on a rock. Are you building on the rock today? Or is what you're building, is it on still on shifting sand? Things of the world that don't have any profit, that don't have any value. So in verse 4... in in our text this morning. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, underline this phrase too, keeps his word. Truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Notice, I had you underline keep his word and back in verse 3, I had you underline keeps his word or keeps his commandments, right? had you underline that too. This word keeps literally means to watch or to guard. It implies a fortress or a fulfillment military line of apparatus. It means guard it with everything you've got. Guard it. Keep his word. Keep his commandments. Keep them. Do you love Jesus? Even though you're at weak at times, do you love his word? Are you striving to be obedient? And when you fail, do you confess? Do you know that he is faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you do confess? And when you do, do you know that you're forgiven and that your relationship with God is restored? You can walk guilt-free away from whatever it is. Guilt-free you can walk away. But verse 6, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he abides. The word abide just means to stay, it means to dwell, it means to remain, it means to be held, to be kept continually. Turn with me to John chapter 15. Your finger should already be in John chapter 14. Let's look at John chapter 15. This word abide, this morning's message was abiding in Christ. And we've gotten to our text (laughs) that I was hoping to land on five minutes before we're supposed to end john fifteen we 're just going to look at the first ten verses. Jesus says, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes. I want you to underline something underline, uh, but we have to talk about this because this this chapter, this passage of scripture, has been so maligned over the years, and so many Christians have been. Uh, really discouraged by what is here because Jesus says, I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is a vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit he takes away. What do you mean? You're just going to throw me away? Well... This is again where you need a good concordance because the, the phrase takes away literally means to lift up. It's speaking of a vineyard. When a vine is laying down in the water and in the mud, what does a vine dresser do? He doesn't leave it there because it's going to rot and that part of the vine that's underwater and got mud all over it's going to get nasty. It's going to be infected with bugs and it's going to deteriorate. But no, what does he do? He grabs it, gets his own hands dirty, he lifts it up, sticks a rock or two underneath it and suspends it and he lifts it up so what? That it can dry, that that can receive the sun, son. <laughs> Not just the sun; it can receive the sun. He lifts it up, and every branch, uh, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And as a, if you're a, a gardener, you know that pruning does a couple things. And the word here means to clean, to 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 uh, to, to clean of, of filthiness, of impurity. And you do that when you prune a tree. Something that's dead, you clip it off so that the other branches that are doing healthy are going to have receive more nutrients. Why, are you going to, why is this thing going to cumber the tree when it's not receiving anything? Cut it off so that the others can receive it. The other parts of the, of the tree can receive it. And to cleanse it, and that's what Jesus does. Have you felt pruned? It's because he's growing you. He's, get, he wants you to, and here's the reason that it may bear more fruit. And that's your life. Why does he allow you to be pruned? That you may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. In verse four, he says, finally, abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Boy, have I tried to disprove that statement, but it's true. I can't do anything apart from him. He is the vine. He is the he is the center stalk. And if you think of a Christmas tree, I love the the the, the symbolism of a Christmas tree. It's got the trunk and the branches. Jesus said, I am, the, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And didn't Jesus also say, I am the light, but now you are the light. The branches, the witness, the lights on the tree, a witness to what he is doing, the life that he is providing through that central core of that vine. It makes total sense. And to these agrarian, this agrarian culture, they would get the picture immediately. They would understand it. And we do too. We do too. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Notice, that you bear much fruit. Why? So that my Father could be glorified. Is the simplicity of the gospel not smart enough or intellectual enough for you? Are you moving on without really tasting and seeing whether the Lord is good or not? You know, one of the things that the devil has done a great job at doing is making us impatient. We live in a culture where everything is fast. We want it now, we want it quick, and it's worthless to us unless we receive it so. But folks, we need to go back to school, so to speak, and we need to learn to wait. We need to learn to be patient. Isn't that one of the the fruit of the Spirit is patience? Long-suffering, isn't that what it means? It means to be patient. We're not a patient people. Our culture has bred anything but patience. People are angry. If you have to wait for anything, man, they'll just look at you and with eyes that kill. They'll cut you off on the, road, on the highway. They're impatient. Are you kidding me? Just a nanosecond is all, all it's going to cost me if you, because you pulled out in front of me. But, oh, that nanosecond means a lot to me. But I'll sit in front of the television for three hours and watch junk. But that nanosecond on the highway meant a lot to me, brother. We need to learn to wait and to be patient because the greatest and the most valuable things in life are worth waiting for, aren't they? We need to retrain our minds. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God, to, re- to retrain He says in verse 7, Brethren, I I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. This little area right here in the scripture seems like uh, John is talking by himself, but he's really not, because what he's talking about, he goes, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment. And what is this old commandment that he's referring to? Well, as we look through the context of, of the rest of verse 11, we'll see that he's talking about loving one another, loving your neighbor as yourself. In fact, in Leviticus 19, verse 18, it says this, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That is the old commandment. The old commandment, and in Second John chapter, or Second John five verse, and 5, verse five and six, it says, "Now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that you, but that which you have heard from the beginning." And here it is. He defines it for us. We don't have to figure this out. It's not some difficult thing. John tells us in, in his second epistle what this old commandment was—that which we have heard from the beginning—is that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to His commandments. And in verse eighty, he says again. A new commandment I write to you. Oh, okay, so you just told me about an old commandment, but now you're telling me a new one. He says, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John defines again what this new commandment is. And you can see it in John chapter 13. Just go back a couple pages. and verse 34, John tells us what this new commandment is. John 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you. And what is that new commandment? That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also may love one another. You know, we don't have to be buddy-buddy with everybody in the church. Because we all have different personalities, and some personalities rub each other the wrong way. But we can, and we should, and we ought to, we must, love one another. There's people that I don't get along with, but I still love them. And I can still treat them with respect. I don't need to avoid them. I don't need to... Play games with them. I love them. They may, I may not be uh, inviting them over for dinner all the time. I may not be buddy-buddy with them, but that's okay. We have to put aside those petty differences and even our personality quirks and love the body of Christ. Love the body of Christ. In John chapter 15, Jesus said this again. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than what? To lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Boy, that really hurts because I'm not very consistent. And You know, the Lord knows this about us. He's not angry with you. That's why it's important for you to take your heart before him. And say, Lord, you know I love you. I love that man, the honesty of the one man who came to him. His, I, th- I believe his daughter was dying. And he says, Lord, you've got to come help my, my, my child. My child is dying. And the Lord said to him, do you believe that I can do this? And the man looked back and he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And from that very hour, his child was healed and made whole. You see, Jesus knows where we're at. You, you don't have to worry. To me, that's one of the wonderful things about being a child of God is just the, the love of God. He's not here to beat on you. He's not here to lay down some kind of law. I mean, we can't keep the law. I, I was loving sharing with the new believers yesterday. We had such a great time. I was having a ball. I don't know what they were how they felt, but I was really enjoying myself. Could have went on for a couple more hours, but we had to leave. But... You know the thing is is the law wasn 't given to us so that we could look at that list and go, "I can do that i 'll just check this one off, check that one off, check that one off, and if we offend in one point we 're guilty of all of it. God knows this, but what was the law? It was a tutor, it was a schoolmaster, and what, what was its purpose? To grind us right into the ground and then to bring us to Christ. That we would realize that we are not all of that. On my best days morally, I cannot attain God's holy standard. I fail miserably, if I'm honest, with my mind. I may not murder somebody with my hands, but oh, in my heart, I've shot them several times. Right? <laughs> right? Am I alone? I guess I am. Praise the Lord. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, brother. No, it brings us to Christ. We look at that list and we go, can't do it, man. And the Lord says, I know you can't. But I've given one. He is going to be the propitiation. You abide in him. You believe in him. You abide in him. You dwell with him. Let him dwell in you. You obey me and I will do this stuff in you. I will do this. And I will forgive you. And I will cleanse you. I will heal you. Verse 9 He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It's a sad thing, hatred. It does, it blinds people. It blinds people. You know, sometimes it can blind you so bad that even when you see the person that you really dislike or hate, even when they do something good, you still see it with those rose-colored glasses, those those color, I'm sorry, not rose-colored glasses, but glasses that have been tainted by your hatred. Even when they do a good thing, you're like, that's such a bad thing. Can't believe you helped that child across the street. Man, you're just pathetic. Can't believe you rescued that, that elderly woman from the water when she was drowning in the pool. Man, you're just a pathetic human being. I wouldn't have done it. And that's how ugly we can be. Jesus said in Matthew 5, and we'll end with this. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of old. And I love this. Jesus puts himself not only on an equal playing field with the law, which was inspired by him, by the way, given to Moses. He not only puts himself on an even playing field, but he super puts himself above it. Notice. He says, you have heard that it was said by those of old, you shall not murder. That's a ten, one of the Ten Commandments. He's saying, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, wow. Now he's putting himself in the place of not just being equal with whoever wrote that law, the word of God, but now he puts himself, thy word, I've put my word above all my name. And he says, But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause, without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. Being angry without a cause. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry. It's it's an emotion that God has given you. But what do you do with that angry? Do you let the sun go down on your anger? With your wife or your spouse or a friend? No, get it right before your head hits the pillow. Get it right. Don't let it go down. If you're angry with somebody, go to them and talk to them. Don't be a weasel and not do that. Because you know what? Cowards hide. But if you really love somebody, if you really love somebody, it's the hardest thing to do to confront them in love. But guess what? We have to grow. I have to grow. We must do it. Because when you do it, guess what? I tell you what, it's an amazing thing. And when you do it, if you haven't done it, when you do it, you're gonna be gonna feel so good inside. You can have the witness of God on your side. Good job. You were mad at them. Instead of calling somebody else and bashing them on Facebook and Twitter and saying all kinds of nasty things, no, you go to them privately and you get it right. That's where we grow. Are you willing to do that? Or are you just going to continue to hide like a coward? I'm going to hide because I don't like you. Well, you know what that sounds like? First grade kids on the playground. Are you a first grade? Are you in first grade? Are you a child? No, you're a mature adult. We ought to act like them. We ought to act like a mature adult. Act like a Christ one. Act like a Christian. Do the right thing. Go to them and tell them the truth. Man, you broke my heart when you said what you said, and I'm really angry. I'm really angry. And by you sharing that is not sinning. Be honest. Be honest forthright love them enough to tell them the truth and your your relationship will be even stronger as a result of it. it's true it will be and especially if their heart is right sometimes you go to somebody a family member or a friend and you tell them that and boy they're just angry and they're just like you know what you really made me angry and we're like well you made me angry too and blah 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 and the next thing you know it becomes this you know throwing fire and gasoline at each other but if you do it with a right heart pray before you go pray. Get your heart right before you go to whoever it is. Say, Lord, break my heart. Break my heart. Even though I'm the one in the wrong, break my heart that when I go to them and ask them for forgiveness, even if they give me the business, I deserve it. Help me to absorb it and just love them regardless. And that person, when they see that, they're going to be like, wow. The love of God is abiding in you. Because we don't see that very much, do we? We don't. I wish our president was like that. Instead of bashing people on Twitter and telling congressmen and congresswomen what a failure they are. It's one thing I don't like. There's, there's a few other things too, but I don't like that. I don't like that. Would Jesus do that? What does that do? It throws fire. We need to wake up to these things. And abide in Christ. Abide in him. Dwell with him. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. And let it change you. You need to be changed. Are you in that place where you're just so content where you're at right now with the Lord and your relationship with him? You're just like, you know, I'm just going to coast. You know, I'm 75, I'm 85 years old, and I've done it all. I'm just going to coast. No, don't coast. Don't coast. You stay in the battle until the very moment you check out. Stay in the battle, and you'll receive a great reward. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop doing the right thing. Don't ever stop loving. Don't ever stop it. Don't ever stop. Abide in the love of God, and let the love of God abide in you. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, how it does exhort us and encourages us right to the core, Father. We pray that you'd have that work done. In each of us, Lord, help us not to hide in the shadows, Lord, any longer about anything, Lord. Help us, even if things get worse, to do the right thing and to love enough to get things right with people that are angry with us or people we're angry with. Lord, life is too short. Forty years goes by quickly and nothing changes. Lord, what a tragedy. What a tragedy for the human condition, for us to continue in hatred in bigotry, when you call us to abide in your love. And if we love you, we will abide and we will do these things. We will do your commandments. And Lord, when we fail, forgive us. We know that you're a gracious and holy God and that you love us. Lord, have your way with us today. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140.